Hello, this is Gregory Novak, and welcome to the Cunning of Geist podcast. This is episode three, and I want to thank you for those that have come and heard the uh, previous two episodes. Welcome back, and if you're new, uh, welcome. In this episode, I'm going to be discussing more of Hegel, particularly the beginning of the science of logic, where he discusses uh, the notions of being and nothing. Uh, two very important concepts in Hegelian philosophy. And and then after a discussion of both being and nothing, I will move on to discuss how this relates to our perception of the flowing of time. So to start with, Hegel wrote uh, three major works. The first was The Phenomenology of Spirit, and the second was The Science of Logic, and the third was the Encyclopedia of the Philosophical Sciences. And um, actually, the science of logic is sort of repeated in the Encyclopedia as the first section in a more abbreviated form. Sometimes it's called the shorter logic, where the science of logic itself is called um, the greater logic. And in the science of logic, Hegel begins, uh, importantly, with this notion of presuppositionless being. And what does that mean? That means what does being mean when you don't put any attributes beforehand on it? In other words, you don't, it doesn't mean anything to you. It, it doesn't, no concept comes to mind. It's just pure immediate being uh, that is, um, that cannot be described other than that. He, he really wanted to begin with uh, absolute uh, presuppositionlessness in, uh, uh, to start off his science of logic. And what the first thing you notice about presuppositionless being is that, in fact, it doesn't describe anything at all. It is, in fact, nothing. If something has no attributes or no properties or anything at all, it is nothing. So now we see that absolute pure being, immediate being with no attributes is, in fact, nothing. So... Now we have nothing, um, and but actually now we have both being and nothing. We have both of these notions in play here. And what's, what's very interesting is that Hegel then states that, well, we now have a third concept here, which is becoming. And what does that mean? Well, being, presuppositional being, turns out to be, in fact, nothing. It becomes nothing. Where on the same token, nothing becomes being uh, because it has a, um, a, a, in its nothingness, it, it has an identity of its own. So it has a being. So when being ceases to be, it becomes nothing. And when nothing ceases to be, it becomes being again. So you have this interplay and you also have this concept called becoming. Now, this is a very core uh, critical notion for Hegel. And it's important for anybody to, to wrap their mind around, and I'll try to get to uh, some of the reasons for that in a moment. Um, this is obviously a very big question that philosophers, scientists, and religious thinkers have been thinking about for a long time. Why is there something rather than nothing? It's sort of the first question that many children ask. Why are we here? Why isn't there just nothing at all? 
Um, and that obviously leads to questions like, well, who created this? Who created everything, etc. Um, so it's a very big question, and I don't think it's really been answered um, completely satisfactorily to even to in today in today's world. And but again, it's been wrestled with uh, for thousands of years. Well, Hegel's take on this is that it's not that there's something rather than nothing. His notion is that there are both something and nothing, um, that both of these notions exist. They come as a pair. Um, now, many people in many great traditions talk about duality, etc., and I'll get into this a little bit. But, but Hegel finds that they are a pair, uh, and even though they become one another, they keep their distinction. So you have a um, the first notion of identity and difference, which is a key Hegelian concept. But we can look to other examples of being and nothing, and there are plenty out there. I think one of the uh, easiest to understand is the notion of two numbers, zero and one. Um, now, you can say uh, that one is the absolute number. Um, uh, there's a prayer, there, there's the um, old um, Hebrew prayer, here thy God, the, the Lord is one. I, I, I probably didn't say it right, but it's a very classic old uh, Hebrew pr prayer. And um, obviously the notion of one God is primary in, in uh, Western civilization. But if you think about the number, just abstract the number for a moment, you realize that you could not understand the number one unless there was a number zero. In other words, one means that there's something there. There's one of something. Um, and it means that there is not n nothing. <laughs> um, so it, in order to have a one, the number one, you must have also a number zero. So both of those numbers are necessary in the conceptual framework. And you can't have zero by itself because that implies that you don't have something. So both zero and one are, are necessary. Both being, if you will, is represented by the number one and, and uh, nothing is represented by the number zero. Now, it's interesting that when you have zero and one, you now have how many numbers? Two. So now we have two numbers, zero and one, and now we, we've just created the number two. Well, once you've done two, then you, how many numbers do you now have? You now have three, zero, one, and two. Well, now you have um, four numbers, zero, one, two, and three, and so on and so on uh, for infinity. Now, it's very interesting. Some of the um, initial computer scientists noticed this. And um, one of them, Bruce McLennan, stated that the only reasonable numbers are 0, 1, and infinity. And uh, I don't know if he came to the conclusion using the analysis that I did, but uh, that's what you would be led to. There's 0, nothing, 1, being, and then it's, that, that then goes on and on uh, for infinity. So obviously, being and nothing play roles in, in many of our myths and narratives uh, over the centuries. Of course, there's light and darkness, day and night, good and evil. Um, these are all concepts that, um, that, this, that suggest a, an essential duality um, that exists. 
And again, Hegel believes it's really fundamental to the beginning of logic, to the beginning of thinking. I mentioned in an earlier episode that I was intrigued by the Chinese I Ching after graduating college and studied it for a while. And it's a fascinating um, thing, the I Ching. It, it's based on really a duality. You have the number two and the number three, where the number two represents division or the earth or the femininity, and number three represents solidity, heaven, the masculine principle. And basically, it, with the I Ching, one way to, to, to form the, uh, the narratives, the various narratives, is to flip a coin. Actually, you flip three coins um, six times. And I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I just wanted to convey that the whole concept of the I Ching is based on this duality of solid and divided. And from that, they construct thousands of different narratives that pertain to what they would claim to be any situation that you're going to find yourself in life. And they provide wisdom and guidance if you are in one of those situations. That's the I Ching. And as I've stated, the notion of being and nothing actually turns into becoming. That's the next step that Hegel provides. And it's a very important concept to Hegelian philosophy, as I've said. And I believe that this points out to the fact that all being is always in a state of change, in a state of evolution. It's, it's critical, and it's, it's critical to Hegel's philosophy. And the, the easiest way to understand this notion of becoming uh, in Hegel's philosophy is to look at what our own experience is with the notion of time. Let me just back up again. In the science of logic, Hegel does not discuss time, uh, but he does have one concept move into another concept, and there's a flow to the science of logic, which is just thinking. Uh, what being turns out to be, when you think about it more and you find internal contradictions, and I'm not going to get into all this in, in this episode. Um, so time does not exist in pure rationality. Time only exists in nature. This is what Hegel said when in the encyclopedia when he gets to the nature section. He said first there was space and then there was time. And there's a way to look at it to, to say that he actually combined time and space into perhaps one of the first notions of space-time, which many physicists now believe in. However, with the concept of time, there's a concept of flowing, a concept of becoming. And this is um, a big notion today. We've talked before about McTaggart's A theory of time and B theory of time. And the question is, is, is time static? In, in other words, is, 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 do we live in a four-dimensional block universe um, where, where things appear to happen, but they don't in reality because it's just an extension um, in, in time that it's already frozen? The future's already frozen. We're just experiencing it like it's happening and, and occurring. Um, the other notion is that, uh, no, it, we are continually evolving, continually flowing, and um, we, we do have an open future in front of us. This is the, the notion I believe that Hegel subscribed to, and I certainly do, and I think it's very important. And let me just uh, take a moment to talk about how being nothing and becoming relate to the flow of time. Now, in any instant of time, you can say, I feel really here. I feel like I'm really here now. But as you know, that's a false belief because two seconds later, you're not going to be there. 
that's gone. The moment of time itself is a continual coming into being and then ceasing to being. Every moment is like that. It moves on and on and on. Uh, Hegel himself in The Science of Logic said, there is nothing which is not an intermediate state between being and nothing. And uh, that's, that's the concept that I'm trying to get across here. Um, the, the present moment contains both being and nothing. Uh, just like the notion of becoming contains uh, being and nothing in the, in the science of logic. And the present moment is here and then it's gone. But what does remain? There is something that remains, and that's a, a, always the state of becoming. This is what persists. It's, it's not the eternal now that persists, or you can call it that, but it's a state of perpetual becoming that exists. And Hegel deals with this um, in the next step in the logic where he says becoming actually turns out to be determinant being. Um, the, it's hard to translate into English. Uh, the word in German is dasein, um, and many translate it as being that is there, that, that it's there now. It's um, uh, because it's, uh, it continues. It's sort of a collapse of being and nothing into being that is there. So determinant being still contains both being and nothing, but it is the truth of being and nothing, it, it, actually the truth of becoming. And then determinant being then turns into other things, which I'll get into later. But the, uh, the key notion is that um, both being and nothing are always there in the present moment, and as a result, we're continually flowing into the future. So when people like um, Tolle um, state the, the, the power of now, uh, there may be a lot of power in now, but, but the, the, the now moment does not exist as a, on its own basis forever. Um, it's always in the state of becoming. Um, there was a popular book back in the 60s called Be Here Now by Baba Ramdas. It's a very good book. Um, however, to be here now, you can only be halfway here now. You can, there's always the presence of nothing, always the presence of being, always becoming. As Plato quotes Heraclitus, all things flow and nothing stands. Now, what's interesting today is, in today's world, that for the most part, many scientists don't believe in this. They don't follow this. Most of our um, physics, time is, does not play a role. You could play it forward or backward. Um, it just is not a concept. And physicists today have a difficult time explaining what time is. There's some theories that it links to thermodynamics and, and, and other things, but it's pretty much a, um, a concept that's not dealt with in physics. Now, there are exceptions to this, but... Einstein himself believed in block space-time, in other words, four-dimensional, three dimensions of space, one dimension of time, and it just exists out there. And he called time just a stubbornly persistent illusion. And um, he felt that the universe was entirely deterministic. In other words, if you could somehow, if you had a supercomputer that could measure every atom, every molecule, um, you could predict exactly what the next move is going to be, that it's all, it's all deterministic. Now, this is uh, very much not what Hegel believed in. His, one of his core concepts was, was freedom, as I've discussed. And in block space-time, there's no freedom. Uh, an example is, would be, a, say, a book that's on your bookshelf. The book has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, you can go and read it and experience the flow from the beginning to the end. But you put it back on the bookshelf, and it's just all there. You can't um, all of a sudden just start changing the 
the, the text in the book as you're, as you're going through. A movie would be the same example. You can really feel the, the, the movement in a movie, but it's actually not moving. It's the same movie that they show every day, and the ending is the same no matter what happens. The other view is that, no, if time is in fact a process, if we are actually becoming, there's a freedom that exists in this notion of becoming, that we actually, as living creatures, can, can, can make a change, can make a, a difference. Um, to me, the notion of block space-time suggests that there's no life. Everything's just dead. It's like a rock. And it, a book on the shelf is dead. It's the person that's reading the book that's alive. Um, but if you're a character in that book, um, you're either, you know, you're dead. Um, you're not really, really living. I believe that we are alive, that there is life, that we have freedom, we, we, we strive for freedom, certainly. There are many things that, that conflict with our ability to express our own freedom. Um, but um, I do believe that we do have, to some degree, some choice in what goes on uh, to build a, a better future, to build a, a better life for ourselves. And we'll talk about this much, much later in, um, in future um, episodes. So to go on, I just want to close now with a, a really interesting concept uh, Hegel also, in, in a very interesting statement, said that uh, time, in fact, may be circular. You know, we always think of time as extending infinitely to the past and infinitely to the future. I know physicists today say there was a Big Bang, and that's when time and space were created. But there's also, you know, what was there before the, the Big Bang? It, it did just pop out of nowhere something you may not call it time but there's some process or some some change element happened to create the big bang well hegel keeps talking about um circles a lot and he in fact claimed that uh, the time that we perceive may be circular i'll read you the statement from the his encyclopedia of the philosophical sciences uh, um, it says the point tends toward a place which is its future and vacates one which is the past but that which it has behind it is at the same time that at which it will arrive. And it has already been at the after towards which it tends. Its goal is the point which is its past. The truth of time is that the goal is the, is the past and not the future. Now that's a real incredible statement. And uh, it suggests that uh, time itself may be circular. In other words, that... Um, just like the earth revolves around the sun um, and, and our earth turns, uh, we may uh, be in a, in a closed circle with respect to time. Now, this does not mean that, um, that, that we just relive the same exact moment over and over again, like an eternal recurrence that, that, that Nietzsche spoke about. Uh, it could be that uh, time does circle but there is still freedom within that circling, that's still a, a greater becoming, a greater awareness. Again, this is w way beyond what Hegel talked about. He, uh, he did not go into any kind of formulation of what this meant. Some, some philosophers have tried to, to deal with it. Um, 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 Alexander Kojev dealt with that extensively. But so I'll just sort of leave it there as, a, as an interesting concept to, to ponder. You know, it could be that we're uh, that the universe is, in fact, like the movie Groundhog Day. 
If you remember that movie with Bill Murray where he, he has to repeat the same day over and over again. But he can make changes himself in that day. Um, and he continually improves. He learns how to play piano, etc., etc. But this, it's the same day over and over again. Perhaps, who knows, there may be something going on um, like this as well on a cosmic scale. The, the physicist Lee Smolin has suggested such. He, he has suggested that possibly our universe goes through a series of big bangs and big crunches or something, and then another big bang. And during this process, he, he believes that possibly even the, some of the laws of physics may evolve, things like the speed of light and these various constants, which seems to be so important to, to our universe, which is a very interesting concept. And perhaps life again comes and forms and we do a better job than we did the last time. It also suggests a concept that I talked about before from John Wheeler, the um, participatory anthropic principle, which is that uh, the the actual universe may only exist in a uh, um, in a quantum state, not fully realized until conscious observers come on the scene, people come on the scene, and actually start looking around, studying the galaxies and things like that. That could also play into the circular notion of time, um, possibly. But anyway, I'm getting way ahead of myself. That will certainly be uh, something of interest for a, a future episode. That is that is it for this episode of The Cunning of Geist. Um, just to summarize, um, being and nothing are both moments of becoming. Time is what I believe is, is becoming in nature. Um, every moment is both here and not here. And, and it's only through becoming that the now moment is sustained throughout time. It's, it's not by itself as, as a single instant, but it, it moves, it flows through. So hopefully uh, you've, you've enjoyed this, this episode. And again, thanks for, for joining us and we'll speak to you next time. Bye-bye.